Thank you for tuning in to the Attack and Release Show. My name is Matt, and I am joined by my good friend from Nashville, Sam Moses. What's up? What's up? I'm here. <laughs> I've made On it. today's episode, <laughs> we are going to be going over all 26 letters of the alphabet. Matt is going to be telling you his least favorite, the letter S. Did I just refer to myself in the third person? You did, but I like what you just said. That was a nice intro. You always come there up with go. nice things on the fly. For everyone out I there, know. Matt doesn't script these. He just is that funny. I am all about He's doing my quick. homework on the bus. <laughs> Did you ever do your homework on the bus growing up? I'm the opposite. I Oh, really? Homework done <clears throat> as soon as I get done back from school. Immediately to homework. And if people were doing homework on the bus or like pre-class, heavy judging. Now... Looking back at that, I don't like the way I was when I was a kid. <laughs> so, Listen, I got home. You know, I have no issues with people doing I that anymore. I do homework because, do you remember the old show Inspector Gadget? Yeah. It was on and <laughs> I had no time for homework. Right. And outside, you know, playing on a playground. Yeah. Shooting a BB gun. I, I. Rollerblading around. I get it. Like, I'm. I wish I would have done more of that. I took my education way too seriously. <laughs> but man, when N64 came out, oh yeah, it was over. That was the first time I could play video games in 64. There was a meme the other day that it's like, like it was like you and four friends hanging out, spending the night at each other's houses. <laughs> you got two pizzas, yes, or like four pizzas, two liters of Coke, and N64 with like. 007 Golden Eye. All the controllers have rumble packs. Yeah. And it's like the best night of your life or something like that. It was. Yeah. It's just like straight down nostalgia lane. It's good old days. Inflatable furniture. That's back when you had to like blow out the cartridge. Yep. And you had like because rumble it packs. Because there was dust in it. Rumble pack on the, on the controller. <laughs> that was so great. Uh, they didn't have any DSers back then though. They didn't need them. The audio was so shit, they wouldn't even need them. Actually, they probably Can 8-bit audio even really get that harsh? Probably not. <laughs> Wasn't go- there like a whole thing about using like a bit cruncher or whatever it is as, as a DSer for a while? Yeah, and I... Okay, so this rumor of using it started on Gearspace. Uh, Gearspace. <laughs> Gear Used to be Gear Sluts. Now it's Gearspace. And there was a rumor from a few people that work with who have worked with Serbin, who's like the all time famous mixer of all time, makes like every hip hop record and even some all country time. all time. He legitimately has like the most of everything <laughs> all time, all time, all time. Anyway, there is this rumor. He, if you listen to his mixes, the S's, his sibilance is so smooth. And everyone has always been like, how does he do his vocals like that? Because it is always present and in your face. But the S's just are like non-existent, but they're still there. So the rumor was from, and I heard this from a guy who was in a session watching Serb and Mix. And I'm just trusting him and I'm not going to name his name. But he claims that for a while that Serbin would use the Pro Tools basically bit crusher and degrade the sound 
to where the top end gets removed. And that was his like harshness remover de-esser method. And then he also would use multiband on it as well. But the part of his sound supposedly for many years, and I don't know if it's still true or if this was ever true, was that he would often downgrade the signal uh, as far as bit rate goes, because as you degrade the bit rate, there is like top end harshness removed. Now, I did this for like the last three to four years of my quote unquote mixing when I used to mix a lot. And like every song I did on the master bus, I would use Logic's Bit Crusher and roll that baby down to like 12 to 14 bit rate. And I swear it does something like that where it like smooths out the top end and just has a sound where you don't have to like it almost sounds analogy which i always hate that term but that's what i'm going to use kind of sounds like a rounded off big console and uh that is the rumor so if you're out there and you've heard different tell me uh if it's not true tell me um this is one of those like definite like myths that has floated around the internet for like 10 years so Anyway, but there is truth to reducing bitrate. Obviously, reduces, you know, sonic frequencies and and data in general. So there is some truth in the reduction of something. Um, and if you do, this is a total side note. Obviously, if you go from wave to MP3 or you listen to the delta, what's being removed removed is often top end, like super top yeah. end, artificially top end, because supposedly you don't hear it. Um, <clears throat> you know, which we may or may not. But you can feel it. I think I can. I mean, I think most people in a decent setup, honestly, could hear the difference between MP3 and Wave back to back. I really do. If somebody's in a a decent room, I think it's pretty easy to hear the difference. Anyway, pause. Matt, continue. That's that I don't story. I feel like you need to be in a decent <laughs> room to hear the difference. Well, you know, we're not all <clears throat> as gifted as you, Matt. Well. Golden ears, you know. Golden ears over here. With them. Yeah. Golden ears over here. Yeah. Okay. Forget the Grammys and just hand out golden ear awards. <laughs> That's what they anyway. should do. Yeah. Why? Well, yeah. They should make it a, an ear. Now that we are eight <laughs> minutes in, do you want to do some housekeeping? Would love to. Oh, wonderful. Hello, my friends, listener. You have the unique opportunity to go like, share, subscribe to the Attack and Release show. The best thing you can do, I'm still going to say it's the best, and we need your help with this, is screenshot the episode you're listening to right now or one of your favorites you've listened to in the past. Post it on Instagram. Tag me, Moses Mastering. Tag Matt for the record mastering. We will then reshare that post. We will cross market. It's working. I know this is working. People are tagging us more. We're sharing more. People are saying they're getting more followers, and it is working. So uh, keep doing that. It's helped us grow a little bit. It's probably helping you grow a little bit. And we're all about baby steps. So a little bit is what we want. And that is housekeeping also if you see that like someone you don't follow shares like an attacker release show post you should go follow that person yeah good good people community yeah the community i mean over the past four or five years is pretty solid it's amazing there's like i mean everyone's pretty nice 20 people that i talk to on the regular that have come out of this podcast and they're just so lovely I mean, I like y'all. Yeah. 
So, you know, there you go. The more you know. Housekeeping.com So... <laughs> I don't know what's uh, on housekeeping.com, so you're on your own. I know what it references. <laughs> I don't, actually. It references our conversation we had for the past hour that we're not going to mention here. Oh, yes, yes. Okay, yes. Continue on. Some things are not Sam's meant to. Sam's on a bit of a Chris Hansen journey. <laughs> we'll see if he, we'll see what he uncovers. Not in that weird kind of, I was gonna say, kind of weird. I'm not, not the one weird. being uncovered. I'm Chris Hansen. <laughs> Ew. Yeah, Sam. Sam's the guy being like, "Yeah, please sit down. You want some lemonade?" <laughs> there are cops outside. You can't go anywhere. I'm the inve- anyway. I'm the investigator in this situation. <laughs> yeah. So a little uh, little pre note too. Um, I've been sick a bit this week, so I apologize for the frogginess and stuffiness that um, I hope you'll forgive me for. So you're forgiven. I'm sure. Okay, perfect. Um, so today. We're going to be chatting about DSers, high frequency limiters, um, and all of that sort, kind of how they work, what they do, what they're for, and how we use them. And Sam, when him and I were talking about this episode, said that he does not use at all a DSer. Correct. So why? So how have you gotten around this? You just you like the top end. You boost till your problems go away. What do you do? Well, I was. You got me all in my head once we started talking about this, and I went and listened. Oh, like I shook you up or what? No, you didn't really shake me up. You just made me go back and listen to like some of my releases, mm-hmm. and which I adore, <laughs> but <laughs> which I love. Um, but yeah, my my energy and my top end and S's is out there. It's it's unashamed. It's bold, you know. And I think I started I never DS'd on my masters. I've never done that and then stopped. But the reason why I don't like doing it, and once again, if you're out there, I'm I think I'm in the minority in this. We've landed on that. And even a lot, a couple of the big master engineer guys that I know and love and respect, they're big DSers and they claim that's a lot of like the sound. Um, and a lot of that started from they had to DS heavily because of vinyl. Everything was going to vinyl. So they had to become great DSers and smoothers at the top end because vinyl just wouldn't handle it. But they continue to do that because that's a sound a lot of people have grown to like, which does sound good. I just find that there is so much when I approach mastering, when I approach mastering, I am really heavily focused on making the vocal sound energetic and the star most of the time. And when I find that I take S's off or DS S's, I feel like I lose this energy and this percussive element because S's are so pokey and T's and P's and anything plosive within mm-hmm. a vocal um, brings so much energy to me. And sometimes when, if I've messed around with like Soothe or, or DSer and I apply it in, of course you could say, well, you must not know how to use it correctly. And maybe I don't, but I feel like I do. When I A, B, just the overall vibe and energy, yes, it sounds smoother, but I feel like the energy isn't as cool as letting that top end just fly. 
The other thing I'll say too is I do a lot of boosting, which we've talked about. So I even boost usually all over the place, but I do boost definitely within like the 1K to 6K range on some level. It's either going to be via EQ or second order harmonics or uh, targeting it via maybe the better maker, the color section in that. You can pick out the frequency you want. And I love that area um, and making that area sound super I'll say aggressive and in your face, not in a not in a harsh way. I don't think my stuff sounds harsh. I really don't. And my clients, as far as I know, don't. But I just find that I will boost. I mean, I always address the low in first. So I'm always usually limiting than boosting. We've talked about my flow before. So I know there's some bottom end and low mids that kind of I draw people to first, which often makes the top end S's no longer even a thing. They just kind of sit well with that now. Um, but yeah, I don't. Like, it's it's not really a thing. Now, one more thing I want to say, and I told this to Matt, the irony of the universe, is that for like the first time in years, I had someone email me today and say, <coughs> basically, hey, Everything sounds terrific as usual, but on this one song, I think the S's are too loud. I don't know if I should go back in, change the mix, or have you address it. And I was like, son of a gun. <laughs> so anyway, I went in and I said, well, let me address it. Because I know, I'm. I, if I'm being honest, I always am boosting the S land on some level. I'm a booster. The S what? The S S land. He's an S gland. The S gland. (laughs) (laughs) And so I went in and I took out my go-to DSer, (laughs) which is I don't have one, but Waves, the old Waves DSer, is what I used to use when I used to mix a bit, and I would sometimes DS on vocals, but then I eventually got to a spot where I didn't at all um, because I was using that bit crush method and multiband on vocals when I was mixing back in the day. Um, Maybe that's why I wasn't... uh, Well, I was a pretty good mixer. Anyway, I pull up the Waze DSer. I put on the full mix preset. I took 2 dB off. I soloed it to make sure it was hitting what I wanted it to on the S's, on the frequency, adjusted that hair, then printed it, sent it back, and he said it was perfect, good to go. So, now, I'm almost positive. After this episode, I'm going to be thinking about S's more, and maybe I'll start messing around with it. Maybe I just haven't I don't know. explored it enough, but I feel like I have, and I just like to let things live. I like to let things live, guys and gals. That's... You're going to be disrupting the DSing market with your bit crusher. I know. Tips. So that is my opening remarks. I know if you're listening out there... I hope no one listening is like, oh, well, now I'm going to make him change all my S's from now on because I know he doesn't care about them. It's not that I don't <laughs> care about them. I just think your record sounds great as it already does. I just want to make sure it rips out of the speakers in a nice way. And that's my opening remarks. Matt, I know you love DSing. Where the hell do I start? Because I got to carry the rest of this episode 45 minutes. You don't have to. I have more to say. <laughs> no, I know. Always more to um, say. 
So, do you have like any input besides just that one <laughs> Waves DSer? Do I have any other like ways to DS? Yeah, that you do. The only I got like a whole list of so, like the stuff that I do. The other because like talking to you about this has kind of been made me self conscious about like <laughs> do I do it too much? And I know I don't do it too much. I like <clears throat> once again tooting Tokyo Dons. They have the high frequency limiter in the gentleman's edition, and that thing is cool. And I could use that as a DSer. I've used that more if symbols are just out of control on a song. <laughs> And I can't boost my problems away. I will do the high frequency limiter, find what I want because you can solo the frequency, and then have it slam two to four dB on that. Um, and that just tames. But usually, it's when it's like cymbal stuff. It's like really high end, like. Well, yeah. I mean, that's like anything in that frequency right. range is what we're talking about. So, it's not just like sibilance. That yeah. Yeah, and which that's is a, like such a funny word because the word itself is sibilance. Yeah, sibilance is a terrible DSer word. But that would be like my other one. I do own Soothe. Never liked Soothe. No shade to Soothe. Have no issues with it. I think I don't know. I don't. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't use it. But that doesn't mean it's not great. A great tool for people. Um, yeah, I have that. I mean, I have the waves like modern DSer. I have the the Renaissance DSer. I own a lot of. DSing things that have come in, you know, plug in bundles, I just don't use them. So All there's right. that. <laughs> All right, I'll pick it up from here. Come on, help. help so, me. anyway, as I said in the intro, I just loathe and detest and hate the letter S. Um, I will. And, like, I've kind of found that. More times than not, like if there's like too much of it, it's actually better to not DS. And if you can find a way to actually change that tone, that from being like really harsh, it's like if you can find a way to reshape that tone, it may be better at that volume because it just retains that presence in the song, but it's no longer. Like, that's not, like, the harsh information that you were once consuming. So I'll, that's kind of, like, my first approach that I'll normally do is, like, is there any way that like, we can go through shaping? And so a way you can go through shaping is I... I mean, if you listen to any of the gear episodes or any of the plug-in episodes, um, I absolutely love the ATR-102 by UAD, mm. um, that tape machine. It's probably... One of my favorite plugins out there ever created will ever be created, period. And uh, one of the fun tricks of the back end of it is if you kind of open it up, you can go into like the whole like EQ for like the different tape heads and you can roll off a little bit of the high end and like different like tape speeds on like different tape plugins <coughs> will like change the tonality of the top end because there's a natural roll off that happens there. And so I really like I really like playing with all of that. Um that's probably one of my favorite ways about rolling it off. But with that you're getting a lot of extra like harmonic tone. You're getting a lot of extra like wow and flutter that you can you can turn that off. Um, but some of that harmonic stuff you might not want always. So there is a pro and con to pretty much all of this. I'll start with plugins that I really like. Um, 
I'll pick up where Sam left off with Soothe. Soothe to me is okay. Um, it was at one point the bee's knees that solved every issue under the sun. Um, I do think there are better tools these days, and I think that it has its usable limits. Like it does go down pretty far, and it does go up pretty far. But I don't really consider it to be, nor do they advertise it to be, like a super fast solution to all of your S's. And I don't even think they market it as a DS, or I think they market it as some type of like like resonance suppressor or dynamic resonance suppressor, whatever they call it. And I think it does perfect in like a vocal range and kind of like a low mid to mid range. I don't really trust it much above and like like up top and down low. Just like in the middle, I like it. Um, for up top, if I need to get above like a usable range of soothe or if just the material is just acting way too fast, um, I don't really think getting like too... Um, what's it called? Getting too fine with the... Um, the cue adjustments on Soothe, I think it gets a little too digital in kind of what it removes and then what it leaves behind. And so I'll generally search elsewhere. And that elsewhere is normally the Weiss DSer. Um, I think, what is it, Sound Toys or SoftTube or whoever did that whole patch over for... Yeah. yeah, it is. I actually bought that whole package. <clears throat> And the Weiss DSer is definitely my favorite out of that whole bundle. Um, I'm still playing around with a bunch of stuff, but if I ever need just something super transparent in the box and we just don't really need to go out of the box, then, I mean, that's definitely a tool that I gravitate towards. Um, so do we, you have the Weiss DSer. I just think it does a fantastic job between, call it like 6K and like into like the teens. Um yeah, and it just like suppresses stuff in just a really nice analogy sounding way. And you really it's it's kind of like it just buffs it out kind of like it just wasn't even there. Um the spectral shaper from Isotope. I mean, it's a cold day in hell and that thing works, but it's like it's a tool that I'll pull <laughs> out. I also had written down what Sam said that Tokyo Dawn, the high frequency portion of that limiter. Um I liked that a lot. I just realized Right before this episode, because I'm working on a record that I totally am kind of like, man, I got some high frequency stuff that I'm just trying to like kind of figure out. And so, okay, so this is another side note. Anytime I say in an episode that, oh, I don't like this, I don't use this, I don't, I don't do any of this stuff. So, like for instance, like that black box EQ or not EQ, the little like you know what I'm talking yeah, about the HG two is that what it's called or H mm-hmm. whatever I think that is yeah yeah whatever plug in the lines makes it <clears throat> um, I don't know who the actual company is that makes the hardware um, are they just called black boxes is that all they have <sighs> I don't know it's a great question I don't know <laughs> honestly I'd be guessing I anyway could- I said in an episode that I didn't like it well guess what. The next two weeks, I couldn't stop using it. And then I found out, oh, if you're doing something in the box, it's pretty much like the perfect solution for if you're doing something in the box, you need it to sound analog-y, and you can afford the extra harmonic content. And so it's just like, for the next two weeks until like the next episode aired, I'm like, yeah, but this happened (laughs) later. And so I walk a lot of that back. And for the past like year or so, 
I've been saying I really don't like any of the DMG stuff. And I was like, yeah, I tried one of them. It was either Essence or uh, Limitless. Didn't really care for it. It was like pretty complicated. Couldn't really figure it out. And then I don't know why. It's like it was, it's like been like four or five weeks now. And like, I was just like, yeah, sure, let's give Limitless a try again. I gave it a try again, and I'm like, holy shit, this is fantastic. And I shot it out between the Pro-L2, which Sam and I might do a podcast later, kind of like talking about just like our experience in shooting out limiters. Not Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is like limiters and mastering, but it's like, I don't know, maybe there's an episode on like the DMG Limitless versus like the Pro-L2. I feel like those are like two really, really big competitors in the mastering world. And I'm kind of turning the corner from the Pro-L2. And not not on everything, but um, that Limitless is like, holy crap, this is, <laughs> this is a lovely limiter. <clears throat> and it's like, you can just push stuff for days with it. And then it's like, if you have like a revision... I haven't had a revision since I started using it, but if you do have a revision that's like EQ based, it seems like something that's easy enough because there's an EQ on it. Right. You can just be like, okay, boop, here you go. And then you set it back off. And it's just like, geez, like anything you would need as a mastering engineer on a limiter is on it. And it's like you got a clipper on it, you got, yeah, you got, you got everything. So let's see. Oh. This is where I was going with all that. Come to find out this whole time I've had like this project that I could definitely use a uh, like a better DSer on. I totally have a paid version of Essence on my DMG Essence on my computer and I had no idea. And I must have done it a long time ago when I just kind of wrote it off. And I think my problem was is that I was having, I, I couldn't figure out their whole like license structure because you have to download stuff and then you have to like, you open up the license like it's its own piece of software. Even though like, like I've never seen a license do that. Normally you just like import it or you just like upload it into the plugin itself. And I, I don't know why. Like maybe it's just having a brain fart, or <laughs> I don't know. It's some weird thing. I'm doing all this like pretty darn early in the morning, so maybe it was just like well, brain I don't know, Maybe I just didn't have time to figure it out or whatnot or Google it. But I think I just kind of wrote it off, which I don't know why I'd write off like a two hundred dollar plugin because that's like not cheap money right there. But anyway, I have that, and so I'm going to totally try that out and see if that fixes my problem before I turn in this record. So. Because everyone else uses it, says so it's lovely. So I am turning a corner. So anything I say I don't like in this episode, by the time the next episode <laughs> airs, I'm probably going to be using it and have and just living my hypocritical life. So yeah, I think those are the main ones that I use. I'd say the pros of using a plugin over analog would be really just that it's going to be that much faster. Yeah, and it's like infinitely fast, customizably fast, um, to the point to where you really won't notice it. Uh, is there anything you want to say about plugins at all, Sam? Or you want me to, want me to keep going? Um, I mean, the only thing I would say is I think sometimes how I get around not DSing too is I like multi-band. So... I feel like everything you do, like get into, is like a form of DSing. Yeah, I mean, I'm not 
I'm not here just like to top end taming, like not right. just S's, right? Because I like, I mean, man, oldie but a goodie, Wave C4 multi band uh-huh. compressor on the Master Bus. Hello, I use it sometimes, and that plugin to me sounds so good still. And if you're judging me, that's fine. But <laughs> there are things I do between 1K and above that sometimes I will tame. And then actually, I really like that compressor as it can be an expander. Um, if you change the range on it, it expands. Hmm. Um, and there are a couple big time guys that master that I know do a similar approach with expansion on the C4. It's a little hot tick. So that's where I picked that up from. Um, so anyway, I've used the C4 for like three or four years on masters on and off to bring life or to tame, you know, just stuff that feels to me. What I listen for is like if stuff is distracting, like too bouncy, like, oh, I mean, really the word is too dynamic. <laughs> um, but something. When I was thinking about my chain, well, let me just circle back. C4. C4, yes. If I will compress the 1 to 5K area, take 3dB off or something or expand it, I'm doing some some reduction in that area to make it more glued in and less pokey. But something I was thinking about that I do that I think helps me with not quote-unquote using DSers is because I limit first often in my chain... If the mm. S is one of the most pokey things in the song, like transient-wise, if it's sure. like dead center, pop, super loud vocal, the vocal is actually, these days, because low end is not as heavy, it's just tangible low end is what you're hearing, perceived low yeah. end, basically, saturation of the bass note, then the limiter is hitting like the S's first. You know, and so it's taming that, and then I do my EQ after, and then I limit compress again, then EQ, and then back in the box usually. But I think that's part of how I've gotten rid uh, around it, even all these years, because I've done this. I I master the, almost the same way in the box as I do out of the box, because I started in the box mastering, built up my business in the box on this stacking idea, which is not necessarily a new idea, but. I limit first, and I think that's part of the way I get around it, is that I am essentially DSing. If the S happens to be in a song way too loud, then it's going to get attenuated a dB or two immediately. And if it's not, then it's not an issue to me. Um, if it's not the loudest thing in the song, you know, and it's not the dominant transient poking out, like above the snare or something, then I definitely don't think there's a there needs to be anything addressed with top end or with sibilance. Um, so that was something I was thinking about today was like, how do I get away with not doing this? I think I am just doing it. It's just happening in different ways, um, obviously. Because my my stuff, when I listen to it, isn't super sibilant It does have an excited mid-top end um, sure. To me, you know, inflated kind of feeling, which I really like and people seem to like. Um, but anyway, that's something, you know, I was just thinking about as necessarily a plug-in, but I was thinking in the box, if you were working and you didn't want to do use a strict DS or try multi-band or try if the S is super pokey, um, 
if you have a mid-side plug-in limiter, you could essentially limit the mid only and see if that takes care of it. Mm-hmm. I do know Brainworks... I mean, a plug-in I love is Brainworks, uh, the V2 EQ, which is a mid-side EQ. And that actually has de-essers on the mid and the sides. Not that I ever use it, but I know it's there. Um, so, you know, it's just... All these things to me are always just like troubleshooting, like little, it's like having different drill bits or like screwdriver sizes. <laughs> you just never know, like, when you might be like, oh, I just need to address the center and this plugin can do that or this hardware can do that. So, that I think is all with plugins that I have to say about that. Okay. All right. <clears throat> yes. So, as far as like analog stuff, you want me to take the reins again? Yeah, you can go. Cool. So, I am a pretty big fan of, excuse me, that was a very much Panera lunch burp. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, I'm a pretty big fan of analog DSing, um, where plugins can kind of be definitely faster and potentially more destructively digitally and introduce that kind of digititis that isn't. Uh, overly pleasant. <clears throat> Analog can be incredibly grabby, but at the same time, uh, incredibly delicious sounding. Um, some stuff that I use, it's like, and it doesn't even have to just be like a like a compressor that's pretty much just focused on like the high frequency. It's like anything that you do. It's like I really like even like into like filtering and whatnot. Um, I really like the. Um, the low pass on my massive passive just to kind of if stuff's just like a little too like zippy up top just like clipping on that it's like okay well that might like help me tame a little bit um in the analog i'm not really like running any shelves or like bells like like cutting anything out really anymore if i need to cut anything these days it's more done in the digital Mainly just because it's like you also are able to kind of have that video, that, that visual element. And it's like, oh, I'll do it with your ears. And it's like, yeah, but you know what? Like involving two senses in it isn't really the most stupid thing to do either. So if you're relying on your eyes as opposed to your ears, yeah, that's a pretty silly thing. But if you're using a sense in conjunction with another sense, then it's probably a reason we have five of them. So you can use mo- more than one. That's why you have like two eyes, why you have two ears. You can have like depth perception and, um, like spatial awareness and whatnot. So I do I do like if I have to cut something doing that in the digital just because it's like I am able to like audition that delta of oh yeah this is the frequency range that is being removed. And so I like to be very like scientific if I do have to remove something cuz I don't really remove a lot these days like in the er- if you listen to the earlier podcast I used to be Sam used to be a booster I used to kind of be more on the cutting kind of field and I am kind of grown to be a booster and if I have to cut um it's got to just kind of be very deliberate and um precise cuz I don't I don't like 9 times out of 10 it's like someone wants that in their music or if they can't hear that something's there, then that's a bigger uh, question. So, anywho, nine times out of ten, I'm doing that in the in the digital. Um, so nothing nothing besides that really happens with any of the manly gear that I have. Um, 
Yeah, Maslick really just sees any boosting that I'm doing. Uh, blah, blah. I'm kind of just like running through everything. Mm-hmm. The Neve kind of like has this cool little effect to where like it's not like a significant roll off, but like there is a nice little kind of a tone that it gives things that it can um I don't know, that that it can shape things. The foot control systems is pretty interesting. It's the my, the one that I have, it's the P3S ME. And it's like if you just have like a snare that's too zippy or whatnot, if you just pop it in a nonlinear mode and you can just it's like like the fastest attack and release times in the West. It is freaking crazy. And uh, you can just really quickly and very precisely control something. The one that I have is in um, the gain reductions in quarter decibels and the makeup gains in, in 0.5 um, decibel increments. I think it also starts at like the ratios, like <clears throat> it's like 1.025 to 1. So it's like super, super low. And so it's like, you're going to have a reduction, but it's going to be nothing that's too grabby, just enough to kind of like take that little top off. But once again, it's got to be transient enough that it's going to hit that first. Um, and then you do have the high pass filter to where you can be like, okay, well, the low end's no longer a factor. So that's kind of nice. Sorry, water break. Um, <laughs> then some other stuff. I've done a lot of stuff with like modifying... Um, high frequency limiters, <clears throat> um, old ones, new ones. And the two that I've really landed on that I really, really, really enjoy, um, and I run them together because I don't really think that alone that they really form the full package, but I think that they complement each other or maybe a digital element enough that these are just nice and smoothing stuff over. Um, one is a newer version of an old um, Ortofon um, high-frequency peak limiter. And it was mainly initially used for like vinyl cutting and whatnot. Um, I don't do any of that. I think it'd be really fun to do that, but I don't think that's the season of life that I'm in. Um, it's normally paired with a lower section uh, as well, but... Um, I had this just modified just so it was just the top end. I can free up desk space. I have more air kind of flowing through. And so you're not just, um, still like you can just get rid of heat. I mean, this whole desk is probably like 100, 110 degrees all day when everything's turned on. So that's nice. Um, everything kind of lights up, like each light's about 3 dB. And, uh, that's a lot. And so you don't really, you really want to control how it grabs and how it doesn't grab. The older versions of it that I had, were pretty interesting in that it would be a it would be a variable I gotta remember how I had it. it it's a variable threshold it's like a variable like brick wall essentially and so when it detects like an offending kind of frequency and so it's and it's not just like an offending frequency but it's also the velocity of that frequency and so like um, more in the, like the vinyl realm, and anyone who catches me saying something wrong, please feel free to write in. I do not have soft skin, so um, you can berate me as much as you want. Um, in the vinyl world, it is called, I believe, an acceleration limiter, and they generally have a preview input to where <clears throat> that input drives. 
um, the detection circuit so that um, and, it, and w- w- which I do believe is delayed by like not the not the preview the uh, the regular input is delayed just by a little bit and so um, it's able to essentially kind of prime that detection circuit and it's kind of slow um, but it just brings that brick wall. Um, kind of limiter down from like it just kind of hangs at 20k and it just brings it down to like that offensive area where it's detecting that like a moment of like velocity acceleration in the high frequency realm will be occurring and it takes care of that and it that one worked a little too grabby um, this one that I have now is pretty nice and um it's really just nice to tame stuff. Even if you just like crank it all the way, it literally just sounds like an old vinyl record. So I really like that. <clears throat> and so that's that's first on like input six. I use all these on the back end. I know some people who use DSing and whatnot on the front end of their chain. I don't do that. Um, if I need anything on the front end, I just do it in the digital. And as if you've listened to any of the gear episodes, all the front end of the digital chain is pretty much focused around preparing the track to go into the analog if it's going to go there and so this is like anything on the back end hey what kind of taming do we need to do and so that high frequency limiter then goes into um, what I consider one of the best um, high frequency and peak limiters like out there it's the Maslick MPL2 it is stupid quiet and it is stupid variable and I really like it (laughs) It's literally like just erasing and polishing out any topping that you don't want to be there. And it is so subtle. Um, it does have a limiter section, which I don't use. However, it something that's notable that no manual will tell you, and you just kind of have to figure it out, is that it's one limiter with a, like a side chain. But it's like an active side chain that's always on. And so... The left side is essentially the main limiter. You have your input gain and you have your threshold, and it has like a hard and a soft setting on it. And I never really dial any of that in. And even with the limiter itself off, it's still like passively or actively, no, it'd be passively on. Um, I guess it just wouldn't be it just wouldn't be limiting anything, but it still controls the threshold on the other side. So like if you have like the threshold on the right side cranked all the way down on the high frequency reduction side, um, and it's not doing anything, you can take the threshold on the other side of the limiter on the left side, and you can turn that down significantly, and then you can then dial up the threshold on the right side of the limiter. Of the of the high pass, or I'm sorry, of the high frequency side, and it's starting to catch a few things. So it's kind of fun how it works. I didn't really realize it did that until I had it for about three years. Um, I thought they were kind of two independent things, but they're just one thing. The other thing that's really nice is that um, it has an MS feature, and I like this a lot over the other. Um, DSer that Masalik makes. I don't know if it's like the MPDS or the MDS, whatever it's called. Anyway, it's essentially two dual mono channels of just the high frequency reduction. So essentially, you just have a left and a right high frequency reduction side, and that seems cool. I would probably, 
I probably wouldn't use it for mastering because I don't see. It's like, yeah, you can have like all this ultimate control and everything, but also it's like these are all swept pots. None of them are stepped. And so it's like, you know what? I'll just stick with stereo and I'll just have them all be the same and that's fine. And then you have the added function of having um, an MS matrix in this to where essentially you're saying if the little switch is down, you're just affect or you're you're affecting the whole stereo spectrum and if the switch is up you're just uh, attenuating the high frequency stuff in the mono which is kind of nice if something's just kind of like biting at you too much but like the sides are fine and you don't really want to dull down the sides so i don't know i've i've really enjoyed that too um it also catches stuff like if you have like a like a converter that's kind of like farty and that's like the thing that's really going to hit the converter and kind of make it tweak out or do whatever it's going to do or maybe like the next piece in the chain like it's just going to like like zip something to oblivion then i mean it's just nice to have some high frequency limiters so i i I like those and then on that like crane song head quantum that i have i really do like the um that tape knob just because it does have a little bit of like It's a curve that moves, and so like the low end does go up a little bit, but it's more like you have a roll off on the top end, and the more you dial that up, the more like that roll off happens. I actually have it on right now, so if I'm like dialing it up, it's I don't know if you can tell like the low end's getting I don't know more obnoxious, and then the high end kind of rolled off, and then as I'm dialing it back, the high end comes in, low end goes off, so. I don't know. That was kind of an active thing. I actually normally run this whole little vocal chain with the little pentode just kind of hanging out on three. I just kind of like what it does, and they're kind of turning that up, and I don't know. I just run that on three. I think it makes the vocal stand out a little bit better. So, anywho, I can buy the vocal, I mean my vocal. So, that's kind of really what I do, and... I have like a small list of one thing of a DSer I don't like, but that's really about all I got, I guess. Do you have anything else, Samuel? I mean, I don't really, honestly, because it, I mean, you explained how you use stuff really well. So that was good for people that want to like DS. And I think my only thing would just be saying, like, just be careful with DSing. Because if you DS sure. too much, you're going to totally remove, like, to me, clarity and definition of the song. 100%. And that, to me, is why I don't often probably grab DS, DSers or think about doing it too much is because if you do that, your song is going to sound like not competitive and distant. And I know that's like a total segue to what you're just talking about, but that's really kind of no. I think it's like right on. It's my like, one, hey, this is like a warning sign, right? Is like things to listen for if you're going to get into DSing. Is if I if I'm adjusting, you know, top end, so essentially DSing on some level, I do listen to is it becoming too harsh and too pokey? Okay, if I'm boosting around it or something. Now do I feel like it's lost its presence and clarity because that that like five to seven range to me is super important for like the foundation of tangibility for a song. Mm-hmm. And I also 
I mean, I really like speakers and knowing what speakers do. And I know like a lot of speakers, like their their tweeter, like their their trouble area is highly focused on that area. You know, even in your cars, like that area between 4K and 10K or 4K and 6K is going to be an area that um, is really tangible. That's going to be like a meat and potato section in most like consumer playback things. Sure. So if you start removing that or taming it too much, it all, I find that for me, I would say I used to make records darker, a lot darker. And then I kind of shifted over the years to kind of more, um, I guess brighter is the word. I feel like they're. How would you make them dark on purpose? I, well, I used to just heavily rely on like the overstay or something. Like I would, or the, or filtering on like the massive passive, like just run filters at like 16K or something and roll off top end. Um, also, when I first started the, Something I used a lot was the Black Lion Audio, the AMCHA one, which is their mastering EQ they made for a couple of years, and that has vintage Synmag transformers in it, and it just sounds dark in general. And that was one of the first pieces of gear I had, which I really like it as an EQ. Um, but everything when I first started, I was like, I'll just run everything into this. And then everything was like darker and fatter, but that doesn't always mean it's better. So that kind of happened a lot early on where I would notice all these records are leaning dark and fat and they felt bigger, but that doesn't mean they're better or what the client wants. I also too noticed as I was studying records, we were just getting brighter and brighter over the years with like modern pop and stuff, which is what I work a lot in. So I was like, well, people seem to like this, so I should make records like that because my clients are mixing like that. The mixes I get a lot are bright, you know, so I assume that's what they want more bright than, you know, round and warm. So that's kind of, you know, why I transitioned. It's almost like a supply and demand thing on some level, honestly, like five or six years ago you know, when loudness really became a concern and still is a concern for a lot of people, still making really compressed records, still what everybody's demanding. Um, I don't think, I don't, I don't see us going backwards. That's a whole other tangent, (laughs) but maybe a little bit, but I don't, even with people are saying like Dolby Atmos is going to help because you're supposed to like go to negative 18, basically lofts on that, which once again, lofts is not a measurement of compression. But people don't seem to understand that compression impacts lofts, but that's not how you measure compression. But anyway, it's it's something where I think loudness is here to stay for a long time, um, and I think the 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 S area, the sibilance, the top end, heavily impacts loudness. I know it does, so that's kind of where I don't usually I'll lean too too pokey, I guess, or too bright as opposed to to go in dark and smoothing everything out and scraping it all off. Um, and I'll let the client kind of give feedback. But I don't know. I think I, I'm, I'm curious maybe if I messed around with hardware again, because I haven't had like a hardware, any type of limiter, like in, I haven't used one in years. And I have a feeling I'm better at using gear now than seven years ago, eight years ago. 
So now I'm kind of curious, like maybe I should pick one up and try it and see what I you can do. You seem like you'd totally be more of like a multi, in the multi-band like hardware camp. I mean, that's where, yeah. I mean, I just love... Then you would like a ds or but like, yeah. and you, but you'd get that functionality. Right. Um, yeah, so that's, you know, just thinking out loud. Maybe I'll try some stuff out, you know? There you go. Try some new you toys got, What out. is it? You got that like, what Blackbird gear rental, like right down the road from you? Yeah, there's plenty of places where I could rent pretty much whatever I want, you know, for a day or however long I want. Yeah. So maybe I'll try some stuff out. You know, maybe you'll be a believer. <laughs> I'm not not a believer. I don't. I don't not think it's important to have your S's, you know, and your top end sounding correctly. I just naturally for some reason have never felt like it bothers me that much um, to have like some S's fly. And I think part of that honestly well, has to do with me loving rap music. Because like rap stuff is so spitty and then modern rap is so like bright and airy and then you have like sure. you have the era of like Travis Scott and Mike Dean. Uh-huh. Where like Travis Scott records, the S's are like the iconic sound of like Travis Scott records is the S's are distorted and out front and that is part of like definitely part of the huge energy and loudness that Mike Dean pulls off on those records Um, because he usually mixes and masters them and produces most of it Um, so I think there's a lot of influence from rap from childhood and then still loving rap where they just don't give a hoot and the more aggressive stuff kind of sounds it kind of is is the genre. So I know there's a part of... I know rap heavily influences the way I approach records, even though I actually only do a few rap things a month. Um, I think I genuinely, generally master records like it's a rap record, <laughs> to be honest. But I think yeah. people like that. Um, it's kind of why it sounds a little different. Um, you know, it's high energy. So anyway... That would be my closing remarks, my little last tangent of things I wanted to share today. Well, also, it's like, don't come away from this thinking that, like, I th- I feel like production and mixing really kind of put, like, the bombshell, whatever it is, on, like, the term of, of high-frequency limiting yeah. and calling it DSing. Yeah. And it's like... <clears throat> What I do is not DSing. Right. It's, I might use something called a DSer, but it's high frequency taming, which is much beyond whatever like the like the sibilance, the S's, right. and all of that junk is. It's like any like snare hit that's kind of like it's like yeah, it's like everyone wants more snare, and that's fine. But it's like okay, well let's kind of make sure everything's like in its place, and so you're sending that to me, and so I'm going to do it how I do it and how I think it should be. So. Um, that and it's like it's not just vocals. It could be like if there's something that like is just kind of like up there, and which generally is an S. Then it's like okay, well let's kind of tame that area. Yeah. Um. So and they do grab a bit more than just S's and whatnot. So I don't know if you're ever in a pinch, feel free to grab one. I legit just checked out the reverb prices, and y'all do not f and touch any one of these things. They're charging $4400 for one of these MPL2s. Do not pay $4500 for an analog DSer. Inflation. I bought mine. I got I got mine on a deal. I could almost shit on a deal. But like go on like Gear Sluts, whatever space, whatever it is and like 
just like post like a in search of and people are normally selling them. I got mine for like 2800 bucks. And I think they normally sell for like 3500. Do not pay $1000 over like the normal price for stuff. I know everyone's like, "Oh, chip shortage, chip shortage." I just waited 10 months for an oven. I understand it. Don't pay like you are going to be throwing good money at bad because you will never recoup that cash unless you're selling right now. Right. <laughs> and obviously selling right now is the only way you're going to recoup that cash. I assume someone's so, going to buy it too at that price. Suckers born every day. So It's true. Just looking at those prices, uh, everyone listening within shouting range, I do not encourage you to buy one of those right now. So, but keep your eye on it. Like set your like eBay notifications and like Google notifications to be like, hey, if any one of these pop up, I never tell anyone about this. But because of this episode, if you're listening, you've made it to the end. I'll let you. <laughs> I'll let you know on something. There is an old website where you can find just about anything. It just got this stupid old search feature and it's not hung up by what country something's in. <clears throat> and this search feature, if it is out there and it is for sale on like the major sites, it will bring it back to that website. It's called Hi-Fi Shark. And I use it all the time just for looking up gear. If I want speakers, if I want... um if I want to toy around with something, if I want to see, I don't know, if something's out there, I'll go on there and I'll just type in what I want and then it'll populate, oh, this is in Japan, this is in Britain, because eBay will just limit it to your country. And so you can kind of dabble in all the other stuff. It'll pull up reaver listings. I think it'll pull up gear slits listings. I can't remember. Hmm. But I highly recommend Hi-Fi Shark. You'll kind of yeah, get lost. No. You'll also go to like Audio Mart and like all these like Russian sites, but... Uh, what you do with your money is on you and not on this episode. So, what were you going to say? <laughs> I was just saying, I've never been on there. I just went to it and it's amazing. I know. No one knows about it. I it just was like searched me and Manly then, and I'm seeing like all this Manly stuff I didn't even know existed. And you won't, and you won't find it on Reverb or anywhere yeah. else. I never talk about it because I don't want like the word getting out, oh, but I'm going to let the word out because F these prices, dude. <laughs> let me look up. Maslick MPL two. I mean, if that's the market, then that's the market. MPL two, y'all. There's an MPL two. Okay, here's the sick thing about Maslick gear two. I will, well, first of all, I really like playing currencies against one another, and so like if the dollar's up over the pound, I'll totally buy gear if it's got a switchable input transformer. I'll totally buy it from the UK every day of the week. Right now, there's one over there for eighteen hundred pounds. So eighteen hundred pounds to USD, twenty two sixty five, y'all. There you go. I just saved y'all like over two thousand dollars just go. by telling you where to go. So Gear Sluts, it's the third listing down. It won't be there by the time this episode airs. But there's another one on there. It looks like the flag's Germany for eighteen fifty. There's another one on there in the U.S. for 2600 So this is the place to go. It Don't is. frick around on Reverb where they're charging like 5% fees and then eBay's charging all these fees. And then eBay and Reverb are going to charge you taxes and stuff like that. It's like get a little resourceful, hop on this website, hop on other websites, and save yourself some cash. So anyway, with that, Sam is queuing up a sweet beat from the background from Beezabeats.com. If you can thank him for his one millionth beat, this is probably <laughs> that. Um, 
we'd greatly appreciate it. So I greatly appreciate you putting these episodes together. Of course. So it is, it is not gone um, un- under-thanked or under-appreciated, I, I promise know. you. I appreciate it. Um, if you are in search of a mastery engineer, Sam can be found at... Uh, <laughs> Sam can be found at For the Record. I can be found at For the Record. It's a For the Record episode. For I can be found record. at For the Record Mastering, and Sam can be found at Moses Mastering. Um, we both love to take a record across the finish line. Uh, feel free to give us a, a call, a jingle, a ringle, uh, drop us a DM, wherever you can go and find us. So um, if you wouldn't mind taking a screenshot, like Sam said at the beginning of this episode, and just posting it on Instagram. And if you see someone who shared an episode that you're not following, go and give them a follow. So I'm sure they love that too. Lastly, if you wouldn't mind, uh, above all that we've also asked, um, anywhere where you're listening to this, if comments and likes and whatever are available, we just recommend and ask that you leave those comments. Just let us know what you think of the show and uh, with the appropriate star rating being five. So, <laughs> uh, with that said, morning, afternoon, evening, whatever y'all are having, have a darn good one. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye. 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 Bye.